Hello, everybody. Okay. All right, laughter. I'm supposed to start out with a joke. The only joke I can think of is probably not very nice, so... Let's see here. There's another. Uh, there's a Thanksgiving one. My kids have uh, been doing a lot of these. Knock knock. knock, knock. Who's there? Odette. Oh yeah. Odette who? Odette's a big turkey. Odette's a big turkey. <laughs> yeah. There's a. Uh, there's a. Uh... Oh, then I have Oli and Sven jokes in my brain too. Anybody know Oli and Sven? Uh, it's good Norwegian jokes in Seoul. Yeah. So Oli had a uh, pig one day, and, uh, and Sven came over to Oli. I, I, I forget if it's Oli or Sven, doesn't really matter. So Sven came over to Oli's and, and noticed that, oh, Oli, you got a pig here with a wooden leg. What, what happened? So Oli says, Oh, one day I was out in the field in the tractor, and I got off, and, and uh, the tractor fell on me. Sven says, Oh, how did you get out? Well, the pig came over and helped me move the tractor. And Sven said, oh, and then it lost its leg in a tractor accident. No. Well, how did the, leg, how did the pig leg do le- lose the leg? Oh, one day I was hay baling hay and so. And then I got myself stuck in a hay baler. Sven's like, oh, Oli, how did you survive? Well, the pig came. It got me out. Oh, and then the pig's leg got chopped off in the hay baler. No, that's not how it happened. Uh, Sven, very frustrated, says to Oli, Oli, now just tell me straight, straight out, how in the world did the, leg, or the pig lose its leg? And Oli said to Sven, well, Sven, when you have such a nice pig, you can't all eat it all at once. <laughs> so, and so, yeah, and so. Okay. All right, well, uh, I'll be here all day, but not telling jokes. Okay. <laughs> You know, I, uh, my, my, my spiel is uh, laughing at me, not, not laughing because of me. I think that's, that's how I can, uh, I can do that, though. For a variety of reasons, I can do that. Although that was one of the reassuring things about this chapter. It's okay to be laughed at, especially if God laughs at you. So I, I think that's, pr- that's probably okay. Um, all right, anyways. Uh, as always, we could start with whatever you want to talk about. I have uh, plenty of things to talk about. Um, some things that are in the book and some things that are not in the book, but that deal with laughter. So, would you guys like to say anything first? Uh, we can, or we can just dive right in and open up the Bible. The um, laughter, of course, is very important to me uh, for a variety of reasons. One is um, my son is named after I, you know, laughter, of course, Isaac. Um, and naming my son Isaac, we did it for, well, I, I would like to have, I don't say I did it, but 
and Holly and I in our conversation of naming our son. A variety of reasons was given. One was because of the story itself. Isaac is a son of promise, firstborn son. Um, and uh, in Genesis chapter 22, he faithfully goes to Mount Moriah to be sacrificed. So he's kind of like Jesus. And then on top of that, though, is this whole crazy scenario of his annunciation and birth. It's just uh, really peculiar and, and laughable. And so uh, Isaac was a funny guy. And it turns out Isaac is a funny guy. So, so anyways, uh, so yeah, so laughter is always something on my mind. So, because I always think about my son. All right, well, it, within the chapter, there are different kinds of laughter. laughter, And she, she kind of, you know, I, I, I uh, different kinds of laughter, a joyful laughter, scornful laughter. And that word was hard for me to accept, but that's what she used. And I think that's right, kind of in a dictionary sense. And then uh, what I would kind of phrase as a confident laughter. Um, and so the joyful laughter is uh, the, the, the story that she mainly uses is the Abraham and Sarah's story that um, uh, God shows up, tells Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. He laughs. Now, I don't, did you guys have a chance to actually open the Bible and read that story? Abraham laughs and says to, to God, how can an old man you know, have a child? Now, what is interesting in this whole scenario is this echoes, I personally believe, when Gabriel shows up to Mary. Because what does Mary say? How, yeah, how can this be? So um, we, have a, we have this kind of faithful questioning in Abraham and then in Mary too, right? Uh, Father Abraham... Mother Mary, so I, th- I think I think that's on purpose. You know, I think I think the writer Luke did that. But anyways, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a it's a laughter from a place of of joy. Now, when I say joy, it doesn't always equal happiness, but it's this, this overabundance, um, a place of of uh, overwhelming. You know, like you, it, things are so overwhelming, I'm speechless. You know, that kind of that kind of. Uh, Place, and so that's where that's the, one of the characteristics of joy, which we, we can find out if we want to read Gospel of John. Um, so, anyways, so uh, so that's a joyful Abraham's is a joyful, and then of course the second laughter of Sarah, which we read in chapel from Genesis chapter twenty-one, verse six, where she now the English the ESV translation which we read is uh, everyone will laugh over me. That, that that's a uh, like she'll be surrounded with laughter. Like that that's the image. If you, if you look at the King James and a variety of other English ones, it will be like Lauren Winter quoted in the book, "Laugh with me." It'll be this just whole this whole community of laughing, which again is a is a joyful laughter. It's this uh, I can't believe this is happening kind of laughter when something so wonderful happens. Um, so th- those are the kind of the, 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 the image, the proper image of laughter as, as being f- joyful, full of joy. 
And then you also have then the scornful laughter, which is Sarah's first laughter when she finds out. So God comes back another time and says, Sarah's going to give birth. She's at the entrance of the tent, and she kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, she kind of laughs in herself or, or kind of to herself. Um, it's not a joyful laughter. It's, a, it's kind of a scornful laughter, like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, now, the thing is, though, is that scornful laughter, God also does scornful laughter. But this is where kind of God's laughter, so God is mocks the mocker. We'll see that in the crucifixion. So when he scorns, he scorns evil. That's right, character. Um, and so, so that's different than what how Sarah scorns. Her scorn of laughter is obviously to something, a promise, something good. When God, his, his scornful laughter is towards wickedness or evil. So, um, and then finally he has the confident laughter, uh, which is from Proverbs 31 and Luke 6. Right, Lenny? So, um, Proverbs 31, did you, I don't know, that's another one. So if you guys want to, I mean, Proverbs 31, 25, I think is really interesting because when I grew up, I learned about Proverbs 31 as being like, this is the, what I want to look for in a woman. You know, this is like the, an image of, of uh, the perfect godly woman, right? And uh, to be honest, this, is, this verse is not stressed in my upbringing. In fact, when she quoted it, I was like, oh, really, that's in there? Yeah, I felt like I've read this chapter many times, and I've actually never noticed it. But yeah, it's, uh, first of all, I think it's verse 25. I did find her. Thank you, Krista, for asking. Because I wouldn't want to leave you guys wondering if that happened or not. Of course he did. Um, yeah, verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. So what's interesting about this is uh, laughing and strength and dignity are connected. But um, this is a, uh, oh, t- t- I'm sorry, the last part, at the time to come, which also goes to Luke chapter 6, verse 21, those who weep now will laugh. You will laugh. And then the Proverbs 31 uh, uh, the time to come. So there's this future-oriented laughter. Well, the only way you can um, laugh about something that will happen is if you are confident it, in fact, will happen. So I, I call also could probably hopeful laughter, I guess. I, sh- I could have wrote that down, too. So um, confidence, hopefulness, um, that's all part of what laughter is. So but it's it's kind of this future oriented. And Luke chapter twenty or Luke chapter six verse twenty one, the, the the will laugh of the future is the the uh, when things are all put right. So the final days. Big fancy word is the eschaton. When everything is put right, when tears are wiped away, and joy is overflowing. Okay. Um Holly.
Right. Yeah, she's kind of a downer in that section. Yeah. Nine one ninety about how those who laugh now are going to mourn later, and and like those who are mourning now will laugh later. Right. Why we have to wait? No, you don't. So yeah, that's exactly right. So Luke chapter six is kind of like the Sermon on the Mount, and um, there are present tense and future tense verbs within this. Sermon also, just like the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes from All Saints Day. So you have kind of a similar scenario is that the things that are happening now are um, the beginnings of what will come to fulfillment. So the things to come, i.e. laughter, is the way things will be, like, I mean, are. Like, it's a state of being. Like, who are you? I'm laughter. You don't have to try to laugh. It's not an action anymore. It's just, it's just who you are. That, but the thing is, though, is that in the present tense, these things have not been ful- are not fulfilled in you because we are both saint and sinner. So the action of laughter comes from this, from, you know, from outside yourself, from Jesus, and but when Jesus, what what Jesus puts in you is salvation, His righteousness. When He gives to you, I should say, that will there will come a point in time where that's all that stuff will be at peace. It'll be just the way you are. There won't be this internal struggle anymore. So laughter, we can, we don't laugh all the time. It's not it's not our way of being yet. It, that won't happen until the end. But that fullness then spills backwards on us. And so now we, we laugh. It's an action rather than a state of being. That was a lot of philosophical talk there. Um, anyways, yeah, so she, she's really down on the um, you know, laughing now because she wants to tie it to a future perspective. But the fact is that even though it's tied to the future, it has a present tense. That's the you know kind of strangeness of of time with God, and that, that's also why we can laugh now, because there's what we hope for is actually present through faith, right? Hebrews chapter eleven, one and two, I believe, before the litany of the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses. Faith is uh, the certainty of things hoped for and the substance of things unseen, or maybe that's, it depends on which English translation you use. But, okay. So she, but by her description, she kind of downplays the reality of faith. But, you know, I think that's that's a little bit of a, don't worry about it. That's what I would say. Because, um, you know, you think about you think about the people who you know aren't laughing, and you know, like 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 um, it's hard to laugh when things are going crappy, you know, going bad. And is it wrong to not laugh when things are going bad? 
will know. So that future tense of laughter is something that gives me gives me hope that it, I won't be this way all the time. And so that, that, that I think that's what she's actually stressing in the book, that, that kind of scenario. But on the flip side, I, I, I shouldn't feel bad about laughing. All right? So you shouldn't feel bad if you're not laughing, and you shouldn't feel bad if you're laughing, depending on the context and where your faith lies. Okay. Um, and then that's Luke chapter 6. Those who are laughing now will weep later. They're laughing because they put their faith in what they see and not what they hope for. You know, which is uh, the way of the flesh versus the way of the spirit and a variety of other ways of talking. Okay. Um, all right, so what is laughter? where does laughter come from? Fundamentally, it comes from Jesus. Luke chapter 6, 21, this laughing that will come in the future um, is when Jesus will make things right. So it's an action based on Jesus' action. Or, I'm sorry, laughter is based on Jesus' actions. Um, which then goes to salvation. God's salvation is something to laugh about. Or laugh at, laugh with. I I think you probably could put another variety of laugh for. I don't know what else you can do. Laugh over. What what does that mean? Okay, well, uh, God's salvation is so good you can't believe it. Something to laugh about. Can you believe this guy? Can you believe this God? He loves me even though I'm a damn sinner. It's cause for joy. Enjoy. And laughter often go together. The um, so there's like a silliness of uh, in salvation. So when she talks about clowns, it seems kind of strange maybe at first, especially after the last whatever eight weeks, clown sightings around here. Clowns to be scared of something to be scared of. Um, it, uh, it's a good image. I mean, this is not a. It's, it's actually not a. Strange image. There's historical precedent about Jesus uh, as a clown or um, as being kind of foolish. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, where does Jesus come from? Salvation, and then of course, then joy. We've kind of, so Jesus's joy will be fulfilled in you. John chapter 15 and 16, and then he closes it with 17 as he begins the high priestly prayer, the prayer that he says before he goes and gets arrested and, and crucified. Is Jesus' joy will be uh, will be given to them. It's an overflowing joy. It's a joy that changes sorrow into joy. And that at, at in in John chapter seventeen, that joy then, as it's fulfilled in them, will have some outside outward form. So the word laughter is not used in this in, in John chapter 15, 16, and 17. But this understanding of joy being overflowing is. And so uh, laughter is often connected to joy, but not always. Joy is, is even more fundamental to laughter. So but it's a uh, it yeah, laughter comes from joy. All right. I think that's all kind of self-explanatory. Now, this is the interesting thing. What does laughter do? 
It, it draws people in, which, you know, I, didn't, I don't necessarily think about, but we all kind of write, laughter is always contagious. Or at least you want to know, like, hey, what are you laughing about? Now, you might not agree with whatever they're laughing about, but you want to know. So it does draw people. It's, it's a natural thing. It's like babies. I know. But, I mean, there's babies. Babies do the same thing. They, want to just, they just draw people in. You want to look, you know. So laughter, too. Um, and that, we see that in Abraham and Sarah's laughter, right? So she makes a point about Abraham's laughter and God being like this, this drawing in of God's laughter based on the name that God gives Abraham. That could be true. But definitely Sarah's confession in Genesis chapter 21 makes it abundantly clear that her laughter will draw people in. It's this overwhelming laughter from an outward expression of joy, which, of course, is physically her child. I mean, the child comes out of her. Her joy has been overflowing. So, again, we hear, we hear echoes of, of Mary, too. So, All right, uh, so it draws people in. Then uh, Lauren Winter makes a big emphasis on it defies people. Laughter defies people. It's a way of defiance. Um, and of course, that result that is fundamentally in God's laughter in the face of wickedness and evil. Psalm 21, 37, 59. Now, what is evil when you laugh at it, though? What does laughter make evil into? It makes it, makes it into something. What's that? That's right. Makes it makes evil a joke. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't want to spend too much. There's a great uh, John Kleinig sent sent the pastors here an article about laughter in Christianity and how um, there's certain religious faiths that don't don't value laughter. One of them being Islam. And so. Um, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, laughter as a form of defiance against evil, that is like an abomination for other, other faiths. Like they wouldn't imagine making fun of something or making light of it. Um, and so, yeah, so you don't, you don't counter evil with laughter. You counter evil with violence or power or whatever. But Christianity is fundamentally different. And why do you do that? Why can we, why can we do that? Well, that, that deals with uh, the paradoxical exaltation of Jesus. Carol. Mm. That's great. Let's do it. You know those big, ugly things that are going to suck the life out of you? Think you turn it into something ridiculous. Oh, that's great, yeah. I actually don't know what you're talking about, but I, if, if, it seems that everybody else does. Okay, so there's some big black bad thing, and Harry Potter yeah. makes a joke out of it. Well, I mean, that's, that, you know, it's a spell, and, and well, it's the one character is, is I forget his name, it's terrified of spiders. Okay. So his turning into ridiculous with this spider from on the lower stage. Nice. Trying to stay upright. That's hilarious. Is that in the movie, Mary? Jeez. Well, it was probably at 2 a.m. Uh, Mary let me uh, lent uh, the Harry Potter series when Penelope was born, maybe? I think. 
Yeah, and then Daphne was a different series. Like, I have these movies, like, what would I do, like, at 1 or 2 in the morning after after Holly would feed our children, but they wouldn't go back to sleep? Yeah. Everything. So I would, I'd kind of wait until, yeah. So I will have to, which, which, uh, well, I'll have to see, I have to watch those movies again. Okay. That's too bad. I usually I thought I was awake for the whole time. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, see that I forgot that too. All right, Jan. No, it's the exact opposite. That's right. You're saying here there isn't every instance that you laugh at evil because then you are joining in. Yeah, no, you have to make the distinction because um, you're not laughing about the abuse, but you can make the abuser into a joke. Which, of course, what is the abuser going to do? Why well, it's like pulling heaping coals on his head. But yeah, so this is where things can go wrong very quickly. And, but on the flip side, though, right, because um, she mentions this, but she doesn't play it too much, like in the Middle Ages, like laughter was something that had to be suppressed. So now, of course, that turns into a form of abuse itself, because you are robbing life from people who would, in fact, actually, you know, live, live because of joy. So... Yeah. Now, so I'm not. You don't make fun of sin insofar as you you say it's funny, but you defiantly say you are not in control. And how I show that you're not in control is, is that I, I I actually make fun of you. The quote by John Chrysostom. Now it's it's a little hard because she booms very quickly. So there's this, there's this thing called the Holy Fool which is very, very, it's really kind of an Eastern Christianity tradition. But it's based on this Corinthians text about being foolish. Um, and he says, the fool is one who's slapped in the face, I think it is. Of course, if you're thinking biblically, where does that come from? Turn the other cheek. There's, there's actually a very interesting thing. Uh, so when we, I think I might have said this one time a long time ago. When we think about turning the other cheek, so uh, typically you would only slap with one kind of hand. Uh, it's, it's usually the, whatever it was, left or right. But when you turn the other cheek, okay, so when you have an open hand this way, if you turn the other cheek, you, that means you would have to do a backhand, or you would get hit in the nose. And when you turn your nose into it, I mean, we, you hear a lot of these phrases we use, right, these... Uh, you turn your nose into it, you're, you're making fun of the abuser. And that's, you're, you're actually turning the abuser into a joke. Because now it's becoming so ridiculous that the abuser has to accept his evilness and say, I'm sorry, or accept his evilness and say, yeah, that's right. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the crucifixion. So 
the crucifixion, especially as it's told in the Gospel of Mark, is a mockery of mockeries. And that, that, that's what we're getting at, Jen, is you're mocking, you're, you're, you're mocking the guy who who's, is, is, a, is a joke, which then is like two negatives, <laughs> if you want to use a mathematical analogy. Um, so Jesus' crucifixion, he mocks it to the point. In fact, I think I, well, yes, I, I did show my one of my favorite movies, The Passion of the Joan of Arc. This is a great scene in this movie uh, because uh, we could have used one of the Jesus movies we watched last year too, but I, I feel like this one is the most powerful because the guys who are doing this to her are so nasty. I mean, it's a silent film, but I, I get the, it creeps me out watching this. Where, and, but her, but she, but in this, you get to the point where she is, she is, um, uh, her strength and her dignity, well, or Jesus's, she's an image of Jesus. Jesus's strength and dignity in this mockery becomes, it, 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 it shows evil for what it is. And hopefully you're disgusted by it. Which in the Gospel of Luke, many people were, right? They go home beating their chests, saying mea culpa. Now, um, the thing is, though, is that in the Gospel of Mark, what happens is, is that when he, Jesus is raised up, and people are, are mocking him by saying, He's the king of the Jews. He's the Lord. They are speaking the truth. They think they're pulling one over on Jesus, but who, this is where the phrase, who has the last laugh, comes from. Who has the last laugh? Jesus does. Which I think is, is, is hilarious. Because they think they're screwing Jesus, and Jesus is like, nope. I'm actually saving you. They think they're destroying him, but in fact, he's saving them. So this is a really this is this is where this. So my, first of all, you have to you know when I first read the, the book, mockery and laughter. I, I don't know if they really go together unless you understand mockery in terms of a sort of a satire, which is a form of of you know comedy or, or you know to make one laugh. So. Um, Jesus is, when he, yeah, so, so if you read the Gospel of Mark, the, the crown of thorns, yes, he is, he, he is worthy of a crown. The purple robes, yes, he is worthy of the purple robes. So as the Christians read this story, they're reading an execution, but in the Christian's mind, according to faith, they're actually seeing the enthronement of their king. Jesus rules the world from the cross. Even the word, so there was a, uh, in, in, uh, there's all these different ways of crucifixion, but one of them, you would have like a pole stick out. And you could actually kind of sit on it and rest on it. And that, that's called a sedalia, which is a, a word for throne. I mean, they, the Christians just, they blow this out of the water. So now, as a Roman, you're watching these people from an observer. They, what do they say? You guys are a joke. You're glorifying a cruci- You're growing an execution. 
That's crazy. But of course, Christians say, no, actually, the joke is on you. And what exposes that is they're turning the other cheek. Their acts of love, their life of love, which ultimately is shown in the early church in their martyrdom. Because, so you have, you have these Romans who think these people are a joke, and they, it, it, it is like heaping coals on their heads. They get angry about these people. Because these people are the ones who go and get the babies off the hill that are left to exposure. These are the people who are caring for people who are not their family. They are, they are undermining our society with our very strict boundaries of owners and slaves and, you know, the emperor. They're undermining this. Now, of course, how are they undermining it? With love. But the Romans can't take it, so they arrest them and they, you know, Nero creates this, burns down Rome and blames it on the Christians. And then uh, they're fed to the animals. But the way they've died now is in the way of their savior, and evil is exposed. Evil, they, it's made fun of. And people watch these Christians die, and there's Perpetua and Felicity, um, are the, one of the two earlier ones, Polycarp, so two women and a, and a man, and they die, and when people see them die, they say, whoa. What am I part of? And, and you know, people are converted. They, they're changed. They're transformed. So that's a long answer to Jan's scenario. But we, that is what we're talking about. That, I mean, that is, that is what the chapter should be talking about. And she kind of gets into that, right, when she drives up to this former house of uh, her friend who abused her. You know, this is where I felt like you should just really talk about the cross and the crucifixion and how that actually gives you power to do that. You're like, no. Um, okay. Clowns. Speaking of clowns. So, you know, she, I, I wish she would have pictures in her book. She's quoted now the last two weeks. I think she's talked about art. And she's got no paintings. Now, I didn't. when I read this man's name, I didn't know who he was. And then when I... Googled it. I'm like, oh, I've seen these. Okay. Um, so I picked I picked a clown and an image of Jesus that mimic each other. But I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. So her, um, so she, I think she talks about how clowns specialize in interruption, right? Jesus interrupts the normal order of things. In the Gospel of Luke, this is this is something that's very perva- pervasive in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus turns the world upside down. He's always taking things and so the weakest is the strongest, the last is the first. You know, it's all these um, upside downness things. Uh, you know, cl- I don't. I, the clowns are not as popular as they used to be. Um, in fact, I mean, uh, uh, you know, how many people go to circuses anymore, right? So this is something. This is really more of an academic exercise, I feel like, than a personal thing. But um. You know, there's a uh, there's a great kind of clown thing for circuses. Like, so you'll you'll shine a spotlight on the on the floor, and what does the clown try to do with the spotlight? Sweep it up. 
Yeah, it's an old, that's a classic clown thing, right? Which is funny, right? But then eventually, what does your laughter turn into? Yeah, you're kind of, you're, you're sad for the guy. But what happens, though, is when he tries to sweep the spotlight up, what do you say to yourself? Oh, he thinks it's, you know, on the floor, it's there, or whatever. He's now caused you to think about that spot differently. Um, and that's precisely, you know, the image of Jesus as a clown, that fundamental notion. Jesus does something to something that you think you know what it is, and he, he makes you think about it differently. He changes the way you think about it. Um, he transforms it. So that, that goes then to um, Lauren Winter's point about Sarah's womb. Oh, yeah, right there. Okay, I say, yeah, it transforms people. Okay, there you go. Um, now, the thing is, though, about the clowns, too, is Martin Luther, Martin Luther has a, quite a bit to say about making fun of the devil. Making, um, in fact, he will, I couldn't find the quote, so I, but I think I know what book it's in, but I couldn't find it before Bible study. There is a, um, um, if the devil shows up to your, your bedside or the foot of your bed, Tell him a joke, and he will he will run away because he can't laugh. The devil can't laugh. But I couldn't find the quote, so I'm pretty sure I'm quoting it correctly. Pretty sure. But anyways, I did find a couple of these quotes. Uh, when I was unable to chase away the devil with serious words of of the scripture, I added another word there. Um, I often expelled him with pranks. I think that's funny. That, so that that might have been in the same scenario of the one I was thinking. Yeah, you know, this is something where, again, yeah, so, Krista. <laughs> but he uh, Luther, uh, saw an He did. Yeah. That's right. That's the why, because. He did, but he also told jokes. So you can, you, tell, you know, you get different ways of fighting the devil. And that's his whole point, too, right? I mean, you can fight him with scripture. Tell a joke. Throw an ink. Well, Adam. Um, yeah, the whole point though is, is that I think you know this is because um, yeah, my natural tendency is to make things into a joke. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I, I feel that's just it, like comes out of me. Like and when I'm in in very serious situations, and I, I don't know if it's just a coping mechanism of mine, like if it's a psychological neuroses, but I do find myself thinking about like how to make my, make myself or other people smile in the midst of, of like tragedy not to the point of like what Jan was talking about before though because like I'm obviously there's times to just be quiet but when I find people who are just too serious like I just I can't it's hard for me to, to like mimic that with people. But I'm a pretty serious. I feel like I'm a pretty serious guy. And uh, and Martin Luther is with me. I, I this is a, this quote. I thought oh, this is so nice. So he he will. I think I yeah. It's here. Oh um. So he takes justification more serious than sin, or salvation more serious than sin. And how, does, how is it expressed? And there's this long quote from Luther. Laugh at the enemy and find someone to whom you can talk. Or drink more. 
or make a joke, some merriment or any other joyful thing. Sometimes one must drink more, play, make merriment, and even risk a sin during all this in order to show abhorrence and disdain to the devil so that he is not given, a, given any opportunity to make a thing of conscience out of, a small, of a small matters. If only I had something like an obvious sin just in order to annoy the devil so that he realizes that I do not recognize and I'm not conscious of any sin. So, you know, yeah, I, I think, I mean, this idea of, of like, clowns and... I, well, I didn't mention anything about the Holy Fool, cause I, I, but um, I think that plays in that, too. But, yeah, I, I, feel, like, I feel like you can't... You, you can't take yourself so seriously if you're a Christian. Because if you're, if you're so serious, the problem is, is if you're so serious, you're going to wind up thinking about sin. Well, yeah, yourself. That's exactly right. So, and that's why we can't take ourselves so seriously because we know we're damn sinners. We're not that good. But God is. I think that's something to laugh about. I mean, yeah, that God would save, you know, a wretch like me. So, um, but with that then, that transforms me. I feel like it transforms me. Hopefully it transforms everybody. Sorrow will turn into joy. Yeah, Leslie. So doesn't um, evil, evil requires power? So laughing breaks that spell. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I you know, I, I wrote in the margins of... of uh, the, my book, I'm like, there's got to, I, I know there's a scene of someone's been kidnapped or held ransom or, or is captured and they're laughing at their captors because they know they're going to be saved. I, I cannot think of a movie though or a book like that, but there's got to be one like that, which is this very thing. The captors think they are in control, they have this person, they have the power and when they laugh, it's undermined, and uh, usually that gets them real riled up. Stop laughing. I feel like there's a cartoon like that. But <laughs> well, it made me laugh, so maybe that's that's good too. Yes. No, this is good though. There has to—I feel like there has to be a film like that. So I'm going to be thinking about that next time. I'll be like, oh. Um, anyways, they, uh, but but this uh, this idea though, Leslie, you're right. Is that it, it? It really undermines the power they think that evil has, and it exposes they have none. Um, yeah. You, Like, it helps manage fear. Sure. I mean, it, it keeps it at, it keeps it at bay. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, like, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> but it actually relaxes. I think like if you kind of think about the context of the whole election and all the crazy and same things that have happened and all the humor that's come out of that. Right. A lot of that is for people trying to transform their fear. Into something they can you know, you know, this is so funny that you bring that up, Kirby. The unfortunate consequence, though, is what happened like on Wednesday, or even late Tuesday night. Transformed it into a, like they can't. There's no. The comedians no longer make fun of it. 
They're 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 like distraught. I mean, Conan O'Brien, Stephen Colbert. I did not watch Jimmy Fallon. They all on Wednesday night made rather than like joking. It was it was no longer it was no longer they weren't they were lamenting, which I thought this is the place. Yeah. So it, it, it unfortunately it exposed that even. Clowns can't laugh at themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. But he, 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 Tuesday, like Tuesday night, right? I think there was like a Tuesday night election coverage with him. That he, uh, there was a point where he, like, he was like, you know, do we have to wait for Alaska and Hawaii to see if things would change? And and the guy's like, no, we're really not. And then he goes on this kind of like this thing about how. Which, you know, it's not wrong, but it's just that, it, you know, it's something where we do struggle, no matter who we are, is that sometimes we take ourselves too seriously, even though we, we really shouldn't. There's a hand. It's a good opportunity to laugh at ourselves as a country and not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, right. I, I, th- I know the, the, the interesting thing. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly right. That's why we can, we can laugh with great confidence is that no matter what happens, we have God is, those who weep now will laugh. Um, and I always, you know, as Christians too, our identity is more fundamentally in Jesus than in our nation. And that's real hard for a lot of Americans um, because America is a great place to live. Um, but I think about like my Christian brothers and sisters in countries that I would not want to live in. And I think they're getting it done. They don't think hell, you know, earth is going to hell in a handbasket. And they laugh and they're joyful. I always think about they're joyful. And so, you know what? I, I shouldn't be so upset. I should be. I should be pretty joyful. You know, um, and I think that's why, as Christians, I mean, we it, it's a it's a great opportunity to be Christian in the United States because we have we have a Savior who can turn sorrow into joy. But you no, know, plus yeah, plus uh, love is pretty good. Carol. There are many. Times in my life, especially living in northern Minnesota and the car wouldn't start and I'd have to be this and I'd have to be that. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was like, God, I just don't understand your sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. His ways are above our ways. And actually, Isaiah 55, there's a, 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 po- a poet, I think her name's Anne Sexton. Anne something, Annie Sexton. Um, she's a pretty tragic poet, but she, she, her, her, uh, uh, she's got a po a, a book of poetry, uh, rowing to God or the final rowing to God. And there's a poem in there. It's the final row. It's called like rowing, like rowing a boat. And, um, it is about a, uh, I think a poker game. It's a card game. And she, the the character or the the narrator suddenly realizes no matter what she does she's going to win she's playing god she's playing god in poker and you know at first she thinks oh my gosh if i lose this i'm going to go to hell and if i win i go to heaven 
Um, and then she realizes, wait, every hand I have, I have this wild card that will always win. And she, I, I, what are the narrators, I don't think is necessarily a man or a woman, it's just whoever it is, um, gives the, makes, she, now God knows that she knows. And he starts to laugh. And this image is, is this laugh comes out of his mouth and goes into her mouth and back to him. Which is Isaiah 55. So his ways are above ways, and then it says, you know, his word will never return void. Thank you, Carol, for that nice segue. Uh, it reminds of uh, this image of uh, laughter. It was quoted in this strange article that I read. Um, but it was, a, it was a really nice image. So God, like, he starts laughing because he's happy. And, and there's this great, this is like physicality to the laughter to come. It goes in her mouth. And then when she laughs, it comes back. His word does not return void. It's great. Yeah, I think the final row, I think it's Annie or Ann Sexton, like, you know, the guy who takes care of the church position. Sexton. Yeah, that's how you spell it. But she, she's got a lot of, like, she, not nice poetry, kind of a downer. Yeah, but this, there is, this, which is a very, uh, her kind of trajectory is that towards the, the, this, this is like, her, I think, her final book of poetry. So she kind of ends on a good note, but she dies very early in life. Um, yeah, that's good. So that's right. You know, sometimes we don't understand God's humor. But then, hey, if we get it, we can laugh with God. That's right. Uh, okay. Well, anything else? I mean, we can list this. All right. Uh, we're meeting next week. I will not be here. Pastor Bukes, I think it's Flame. Okay, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.